0: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the
1: Supermarcato
0: Brothers Video Game Music Podcast.
1: What's going on? Thanks so much for listening. This is a podcast where we share and discuss the very best in video game music, and my name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann, and today on the podcast we're discussing...
0: Uh, Games with Viking Roar Samples. A very obscure topic, (laughs) uh, but there's actually enough to fill a whole playlist. No. (laughs) Yeah, this is
1: funny. The name of our episode is Same But Different, and what we're doing is we're playing examples of video game music uh, from the same title, uh, but different soundtracks. So a game that came out that has the same title, but for whatever reason, maybe different platforms, different countries separate soundtracks here. Yeah, and in some cases,
0: really entirely different games. And yeah, that's This is sort true. of a relic of the 8 and 16 bit era specifically when mm-hmm. a big release would differ so majorly from console to console that in some cases they would just have entirely different music. Nowadays mm-hmm. if a game comes out on multiple current gen platforms you know maybe it's like a port so like if you're playing the Switch version of a game it's not going to be as graphically enhanced as other things but yeah. all the soundtrack and the meat and potatoes of the game are going to be the same and and that's been the case for several console generations. But the farther back we go, you know, the architecture of these systems was so different that oftentimes when uh, a project was coming out, maybe it was like a movie licensed title or even like a big flagship enterprise like Sonic the Hedgehog or Mega Man, Mm -hmm. they would have to come out on all these different platforms and they were really either entirely separate games or entirely separate projects. So this is going to be a fun episode because we're going to basically compare different composers
1: approach to often the same scenario or same level yeah so we have two different types of games today we have examples where it's literally the exact same game that's released on two different platforms with entirely different soundtracks that's our favorite today Uh, but we also will have examples where it's the same title but uh really a different game and so it's not surprising that that would have different soundtracks as well so really cool stuff uh what you guys heard uh keep that in your heads that That's Factory from the Lost Vikings for the Super Nintendo. And that music was composed by Charles Deenan. Really fun, really groovy stuff. We're going to move on to our first pairing. So again, keep that in your head. And let's let's take a listen to that same stage from the Amiga version. Uh, now, the Amiga version of The Lost Vikings was worked on by Alistair Brimble. Now, there's some tracks that he basically rearranged Charles' music. And then there's some tracks uh, where he, for whatever reason, uh, did his own thing. And this is an example of a track uh, which is original. Well, and didn't Matt Furness work on the Genesis one? Yeah, and Matt Furness, like, like Will said, worked on the Genesis one and did the same thing. Some of the tracks are reused, uh, you know, rearrangements of Charles themes, and some of them are original. So we might even hear at the tail end of this, we might hear a little bit of that Genesis, um, of Matt's Genesis version of Factory. But let's start things off with the Amiga version of Factory from The Lost Vikings. bit of the Amiga version of Factory from The Lost Vikings. Uh, This is composed by Alistair Brimble, and for whatever reason, for this particular stage, Alistair decided to compose his own theme that's very inspired by Charles' Factory theme. The exact same genre, kind of this early 90s swung kind of R&B pop sound, funk sound. It's It's really cool. I I definitely prefer Charles' theme. I think it's just a stronger piece of music and it's like surprisingly emotional and I love those Viking sound effects, those raw sound effects. And for whatever reason, maybe it was just too hard to try to convert this, that theme to the Amiga. But I would say about 50% of the soundtrack is uh conversions and then 50% is his own original music. Actually right now you guys are hearing a little bit of Matt's Genesis (laughs) factory theme, which is very different from the other two. (laughs) Yeah the Genesis one is just like a
0: completely different genre and style. It it of all of them, it's the one that most sounds fitting for a factory. Um, That's true. You know, I suspect that the Alistair Brimble one maybe started off as kind of like an arrangement of the other one, and just sort of went in its own direction. Because that, that sort of be. main riff feels similar, and like you said, it's the same sort mm-hmm. of groove elements, but it just goes in a completely different direction. I agree that the Charles Dean one, to me, it it uh, it's a little bit more cohesive with the overall soundtrack of the Lost yeah, Vikings, I agree. and part of it having
1: that like raw sound there. Helpful. It's very interesting how similar the the soundtracks sound, like instrument-wise, from the Amiga right. to the a- SNES. They sound very similar, and I think there's no doubt that Alster was, at the very least, informed by Charles's composition. I think
0: just that that second factory track. I really like the. I think it's catchy and fun. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's a little bit more goofy and lighthearted, where I, right. um. The original one feels just like a bit more serious. Um, But that's Mm -hmm. what's fun about today's episode is that we can kind of compare things... Um, one-to-one, which is really fascinating because it's, it's a rare experience to get to see two
1: different video game composers approach the same task. Well, three, really? you know, Yeah. This is one of the instances today. We have two more instances of this where we're actually doing a three-way comparison, which is a real treat. So that that's really awesome. So there you go. That was a couple different approaches uh, of the Lost Vikings from different composers. Very fun. Now, this episode is different from... Um, we had an episode called Ports, which we had... A similar format where right. we would play two examples of the same music uh, converted to different systems. So this is different because these are games that saw different soundtracks. Uh, let's move on. There was a game called 1943 Kai, which first came out for the arcade, and it was kind of like an updated version of 1943 which was an earlier arcade game. And this game is pretty insane as far as the composers. Here's the list of composers. This is a Capcom arcade game that worked on the original. It is Manami Matsumai, <laughs> Takashi Tateishi, so the Mega Man 1 and 2 composers, Junko Tamiya, Hiroshi Tanemura, who did DuckTales, Tamayo Kawamoto, and Harumi Fujita. So really an all-star cast of composers that worked on this uh, arcade soundtrack. Uh, a couple years later, it, was re- it or a few years later, it was re-released for the TurboGrafx-16, or the PC Engine, and that release, for whatever reason, had an entirely original soundtrack. And so we're going to be comparing today the arcade version of 1943 Kai, as well as the PC Engine version. So let's start with a track from the arcade version. This is called Air Battle A, and the lead composer here is Manami Matsumai. Let's take a listen. You guys listening to Air Battle A from the arcade version of 1943 Kai. This reminds both of us of actual film music. It's really surprising and daring. This is most likely composed by Manami Matsumai. It should be mentioned this came out in 87, so this is the same year she worked on Mega Man. Um, and I think I've heard composers say that back then, the arcade division was really the most prestigious division to work in. Right. I think just
0: also the technology was more advanced, and that was sort of the, the front line, so to speak. This track is so fascinating to me because, yeah, in terms of um, the chords and the the harmonies in in this piece of music, it's very dissonant and very experimental. We have a lot of these kind of dissonant chord clusters and constructions that are sort of these odd slash chords with dysfunctional yeah, it's harmony. Yeah, surprising. It's <laughs> the kind of thing that you might get in film music, but. Uh, groove-wise and rhythm-wise, it it sounds like a kind of classic video game arcade theme. And it reminds me a lot of Matsumai's work on like Area 88, for instance. Well, I
1: think, so here's the thing. This soundtrack doesn't all have this sound. There's a lot of tracks that are kind of jazzy and groovy and, and more video gamey. Right. But I think since this is one of the first stage themes, I think they really wanted to have a level of sophistication, kind of gravitas to this experience. Uh, there's a lot of people that, at least when I'm playing arcade games, I might not even get past the first stage or the second stage. Right. And so I think uh, they definitely took this this early stage theme pretty seriously.
0: I also think it stands out amongst video games. I mean, if this was a final boss theme, it wouldn't be that surprising. But the fact Mm -hmm. that this is one of the first stage themes and it's that level of like kind of dissonance and experimental writing, but it's really
1: cool. There's something I really like about that. It's a nice track. Okay, so I did want to kind of show off uh, the two different sounds of these versions. So that was the arcade. Let's take a listen to an original piece of music from the PC Engine version, which was ported, I think, a few years after. This is still 1943 Kai. This is called Original Mode 6, and there were two separate composers that worked on this soundtrack. It's Hisashi Matsushita, in Daisuke Morishima. Let's take a listen to original mode six from the PC Engine version. Here we go. guys are listening to original mode six uh pc engine version of 1943 kai there is a time when i uh, miscredited this to you know those earlier composers manami and takashi but uh this was actually composed by matsushita and morishima you know what's so ironic is those list of behemoth capcom composers that worked on the arcade uh this is a better soundtrack in my opinion listening to to this whole thing it's a lot more cohesive and Uh, It's just stronger. For whatever reason, this PC Engine soundtrack, I think, is better than the arcade. Well, it's a little bit more what
0: you'd expect from a video game soundtrack like this from this era. Um, But, yeah, it is just more... It's honestly more interesting to listen to because a track Mm -hmm. like this, it isn't... um, it, 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 to me, it's a nice balance of like expected and unexpected where it's like it, it's very satisfying and it sort of goes where you want it to go. But then there are those interesting harmonic shifts where it almost sort those of key like changes. key changes back into the it's original beautiful. key. And uh, it's just a great arrangement. I like the drum part. It. It's, mm-hmm. to me this is more successful. I, I, I was really fascinated by the first track because I like how mm-hmm. experimental it is and it's fun to find a, a video game track from that era that's doing something distinct and different but I think um, in terms of what each of them are going for this to me seems a little bit more successful for the game 1943
1: Kai. I would agree and and it is ironic because those, those are famous composers that worked on the arcade version. There is something awkward about listening to arcade music of this era. I don't know what it is, but almost every time that there's like an arcade version and a console version, I almost always prefer the console version. I don't, it's really <laughs> strange. Um, I think there were some growing pains in the early days of arcade music. Just, you know, to get it to sound good on those chips was hard. Well, and I think the thing to remember
0: is that uh, if composers worked on the Sega Genesis, you know, they had years to get to know that specific sound. Uh, yeah. but when you were working on an arcade game it really varied from machine to machine uh, oftentimes the composers were responsible for actually choosing what sound chip would be in the ge- what would be in the actual machine and having mm-hmm. to program for it so i just don't think they got as much time really honing that those specific sounds because then they would have to move on to newer technology and a newer machine where, I mean, that's a if really you think good about point. like the NES, people were working on the NES for, I mean, it was almost like 10 years <laughs> to, of lifespan. I think span. to like
1: 94. Yeah. So uh, people were so used to it. Yeah. That's an interesting soundtrack. Um, you know, there's are a couple pieces of music, uh, on the TG 16 version, um, that are, arrangements of the original arcade. So there is some reusing of that original music. But even that stuff sounds better uh, than, than the original. So really interesting example there. Let's move on to uh, one of the first things that both of us thought of when we wanted to do this same but different episode. So this is an example of two different soundtracks for the exact same game, the exact same system, too. That's pretty rare. Um, The Japanese original release had a soundtrack, and the American release had an entirely different soundtrack. Now, this is Sonic CD, uh, and for whatever reason, some of the people at Sega at the time thought that uh, the U.S. release needed more souped up music or music that would fit the American market more. I don't really know why they thought that. I thought the Japanese version was fine and there was nothing wrong with it. Um, so they hired Spencer Nielsen as well as David Young uh, to compose a new soundtrack. And even I, th- I think a new theme song, that intro theme song I think is different. I, w- so I will play... say I do like the American theme song. Um... I like the American theme song. I will say that the actual stage themes uh, are not very good yeah. in the american version so so let's take a listen to probably the most popular stage theme in the game the first one you hear this is palm tree panic present let's start off with the original japanese version this theme was composed by Naofumi hataya let's take a listen Listening to Palm Tree Panic Present, Japanese version of the soundtrack from Sonic CD. This is composed by Neo Fumi Hitaya, and we've mentioned before some of our thoughts and feelings on this soundtrack. We don't need to get into that too much. At the end of the day, this is a really fun piece of music. It's very lively. yeah It doesn't have a lot of semblance of previous Sonic music, for better or for worse, but it's a lot of fun. And you know, listening to this, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, I guess this works. To me, going to the U.S. version, which we're going to do to next, I'm just like, oh my gosh! Please take me back to the original Japanese version because right. the U.S. version is so much more unfitting.
0: The Japanese version is cheesy and it just it it doesn't hold up production wise, but it, it's really fun. And in mm-hmm. terms of the actual composition, it does remind me it's a so little much bit better. of some Sonic music. It's not um it's It's catchy, but it doesn't have as pure a melody as anything from, you know, Sonic 1, 2, or 3. Uh, But I really like the arrangement. And, I mean, that kind of, like, synth brass does put in mind some of the, like, American pop music of the day. Oh, yeah, It makes me think of, you know, Michael Jackson and Prince and stuff like that. Yeah,
1: and I will say, this this is my favorite track in the Japanese version. So, it's just a lot of fun. It starts the game off uh, with a bang. So, all right. Let's move on to a stark contrast. This is the U.S. version of Palm Tree Panic Present. Now, they definitely were listening to the Japanese version and very inspired by it. It even starts out with similar percussion. It's a similar overall sound, um, but to me, something about it is, is just not quite working. Uh, let's take a listen to the U.S. version of Palm Tree Panic Present. Palm Tree Panic Present from Sonic City. This is the U.S. version composed by Spencer Nilsson and David Young. The biggest thing that I don't quite understand about this is uh, it's not an improvement in any way from the Japanese version. It doesn't right. really even sound that much more realistic. I guess there's some instruments that maybe sound a little better, but overall, it's just as cheesy. You have a lot of similar 90s synths, um, the, the melody is just not that great, which is my biggest problem with, with this track. Um, but, yeah, it, it's not that much more impressive than the Japanese original, so I yeah, don't get it. Yeah, it honestly just sounds like another track in the
0: same soundtrack. Um, kind of, So yeah. that's
1: a little strange.
0: I gotta say, uh, for a game with two completely full and different soundtracks... I don't like almost any music in either of the Sonic CDs. <laughs> it's such a shame. It's like, I wish there were two versions of Sonic 2 that were great or something.
1: I, I, it's 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 weird. It's one of those it's reminders so me. Um, for me where, you know, the individual composers, the artists that work on things that you love are so important, you know? Not anyone can make great music, you know? Naofumi Hitaya has, has written some good stuff for sure, um, but... I'm sorry, you know, he's not on the same level as Masato Nakamura, as yeah, Jun Senue, as Michael Jackson. So, you know, there right. is there is something to be said about these individual artists that you love. Right. I also just think the Sega CD was such a weird
0: experiment. And the idea of having CD-quality audio in a game that looks like a Sega Genesis game, it just mm-hmm. it doesn't fit. It's very bizarre. It's, it's so strange. Yeah, because
1: the graphics don't look more advanced. It's like having an
0: orchestral soundtrack for an NES game. It's just like it doesn't mm-hmm. it doesn't fit. It, like your imagination is, I, I to me it takes me out of it.
1: Yeah, visually it seemed it seemed like in Sonic City they were going for like in between Sonic one and two. It definitely didn't look more advanced graphically, so it was weird that the music was so much more technologically advanced. It, it was really weird. And the problem is, then it's like it, the music actually. S-
0: holds up worse than Genesis stuff because it doesn't have that charm of like being yeah. old fashioned. Now it just sounds outdated. You hear the bad synths and the bad kind of general MIDI yeah. sounds. And it's just sort of like, you know what? I, I, I doesn't, there's nothing about that, that I, I would really want to listen. What I think is so great is uh, when, when Sonic Mania came out, uh, T Lopes or T Lopez uh, the score that he did, I thought, was so great because he kind of did a little bit of a nod to some of the production choices from, particularly, the Japanese yeah. version of Sonic CD. But his melodies, I think, are so much better than a lot of those. And yeah, the, I agree. it also has the influence of the Genesis game. So to me, that's sort of like. Uh, It does a perfect job of wrapping the Sonic CD world in with the Genesis games and making it feel like it's all connected.
1: Right. You know, what would be fun as we go forward is we should give votes on which version we like better. So for that Sonic CD, we clearly like the Japanese version better. Uh, For that 1943, I think we both actually like the PC Engine version better. Uh, What would you say about Lost Vikings? What version do you prefer?
0: I don't know. I was actually feeling the Amiga one, but then when you started talking about that you like the SNES one better, I do think the SNES one is a little bit more serious. And then Mm -hmm. I do think that the uh, Matt
1: Furnace one maybe fits better for the stage. That one's sort of a tie for me. Okay. Well, let's move on to um, a very different type of example on today. This is the same title, you know, literally, (laughs) the words are the same, but the game, the project is different, so it's kind of cheating but you know it it was hard for us to to come up with um you know an entire playlist of this so this is jurassic park and this game was released for a bunch of different systems today we're going to be looking at um the snes version uh which again is a different game uh composed by jonathan dunn as well as the genesis version Which was composed by Sam Powell. And then we're going to have a brief taste later on of actually the Master System version, which was composed by George Bruns and Terry Gilkison. What's interesting about uh, Jurassic Park is
0: that the Nintendo and Sega versions were completely different games. Both Mm -hmm. the Nintendo versions were overhead kind of I don't know. I guess you'd call them like adventure shooter kind of games. Like you walk around and collect items and shoot dinosaurs, but it's like this weird overhead view. Right. Um, And I think the Genesis one is like way more classic. It's just sort of what you'd expect. Side scroller, platformer. It's a better game. Yeah. Yeah. But Um, not
1: necessarily a better soundtrack. We'll get into it. Let's start off with the SNES version, which is a really weird, quirky soundtrack in that it doesn't remind me (laughs) of the emotions you would expect to hear in jurassic park it's very chilled out and kind of techno and groovy and it's cool music but it's weird that it's for jurassic park this is triceratops trot by jonathan dunn <music> You guys listening to Triceratops Trot for the SNES. Composed by John Williams? (laughs) Jonathan Dunn Williams. No, Jonathan Dunn. This is Jurassic Park. Um, And yeah, I'm definitely getting some David Wise vibes. Uh, I believe this uh, came out actually before Donkey Kong Country, so it could just be a coincidence. I really like Jonathan Dunn. I think he's a great composer. One of the best sounding... Western Super Nintendo scores. You know, there's not a lot of Western NES scores, SNES scores that sound this good. Right. Um, and, and so I think that's that's really impressive. He did a great job working with these samples and... Yeah, I can't believe this is a Jurassic Park game, though. It, it, it could not be more unfitting. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think it does make me think... If you just forget
0: Jurassic Park, if you think of sort of like a creepy, dark dinosaur game, I mean, I do think it works. Hmm. It, it's kind of taking maybe. these flute sounds and what almost sounds... I, I don't know if it's supposed to be like a kalimba or a marimba or something. Um, oh, I guess it, it's maybe kind of ancient sounding. Yeah, it has a little bit of those kind of, I guess... those I guess like ethnic folk instruments but done in sort of like a more modern not techno but just a more electronic music style
1: and it's very vibey and atmosphere rich. I mean this is almost a point of comedy in this era of video games like it doesn't really matter what you did like a lot of times you know if if they're making these video games based off of Movies. It's not a great company. It's not a great developer. And I'm sure they gave Jonathan complete freedom to do whatever he wanted. And maybe he just wanted to make cool music. And it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't right. need to fit the movie at all. Right. And that that's sort
0: of the shame about a lot of these licensed titles. Um, and I mean, it, they're not much better nowadays. You know, they're just kind yeah. of like th- there to cash in on a popular franchise. Uh, but what I do think is cool is back then I, I I do think like some of the there's a lot of great music and a lot of hidden gems from these kind of forgettable generic movie based games and I think this is an example of a really cool piece of music. It's a great that, piece of music at the um, end of the day. Yeah, it comes from maybe something that people don't think
1: about very much anymore. It's great, and it's so much better than what we're going to move to. <laughs> so this game itself is really good. This is Jurassic Park for the Sega Genesis, uh, which me and Marty back in the day played a lot of. Uh, really great game. Definitely captures the, the spirit and the mood of the movie. Um, but the soundtrack is not very good. This is composed by Sam Powell, who I've never heard of before. He's a Western composer, and it sounds like your run-of-the-mill Western Genesis soundtrack in that it's very snarly, (laughs) uh, very demonic, very dark, um, and not pleasing to listen to at all. Uh, I guess it's kind of fitting maybe emotionally for the game. Um, but it, it's one of those things that looking back on some of this music, well, I mean, Carl, is that up. how you
0: would describe the John Williams music? Unsettling, snarly, and not pleasing to listen <laughs> to at all. It's the opposite.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's take a listen to Jungle, which is the first stage theme from the Genesis version of Jurassic Park. You guys are listening to Jungle Track of the Genesis. Week? Am I right? <laughs> Track of the Year uh, from the Genesis version of Jurassic Park. Uh, so yeah, listening to this now uh, with our current standards, it's it's pretty rough. It's pretty bad music, but I will say that as a kid playing this, um, it kind of fit in a weird way. Like it was very dark, and it kind of scared me. To be honest, you know, there's something. At the end of the day, you would agree this music is unsettling, right, Well, There's, like, something off about it. Yeah, but for all the wrong reasons, it's not, yeah, like, it, musically it, unsettling. Yeah, but it oddly fit the experience, and and the best part about this track is the incorporation of those sound effects, and that was, I don't know, it kind of worked in, in a weird way, playing this first level um, as a kid. Sure. Um, but, again, our standards were so low. I mean, the game itself is really good. Yeah. Um, I, I thought it was a good game um, But yeah, I mean yeah, I this think is, this is interesting.
0: I, I yeah, I mean it's not the worst thing I've ever heard and it, it It is more on the scary side. I guess with like just this really low melody But it There's comes across as it. like bluesy rather than like threatening and
1: yeah, scary it's a weird minor blues bass riff That's kind of lame with some dissonances, What you guys are hearing now. We're fading into um the Master System ending theme <laughs> This is by George Bruns and Terry Gilkison So so I think that was maybe a totally different game um, And we just wanted to give a taste of just how different That Master System soundtrack is too Right, yeah, it, it's interesting Again, that
0: that's something that doesn't always happen anymore When you have these licensed games And there were so many different versions of them I mean, mm-hmm. I bet a lot of people made money So, I mean, good for them It's probably good for <laughs> the economy uh, yeah. But, yeah, not not the best in the
1: way of art. All right, so, Will, what's our official vote? I know they're all slightly different games, but what soundtrack do we prefer? Definitely, definitely the, the Triceratops
0: Trot. I mean, that was a legitimately yeah. cool SNES. piece of music. And it's funny because... I've played both the games, and I definitely prefer the Genesis one. I, I don't think it's a masterpiece, yeah. but it definitely feels more like the mood of the film, where the Super Nintendo one, it's mm-hmm. bright and colorful, and it's this weird overhead thing. I, I prefer the Genesis mm-hmm. one, but I mean, good lord, that soundtrack is just uh, not something I'd want to listen
1: to. You know, I have a funny memory. Uh, we rented Jurassic Park at least three times um, at the local video store for the Genesis and and loved the game. Marty came into some cash. I don't know if it was allowance or birthday money or whatever. Um, He's pretty young. We were both young at this point. And he was telling me, all right, I'm going to go to the store. I'm going to buy Jurassic Park and we're going to own it. And I was so excited and I was waiting for him to come home. He comes home. And he takes the box out, and it's Jurassic Park Rampage Edition. And <laughs> I, for some reason, I instinctually knew that this was a bad decision. I was like, Marty, why did you get this? And and someone talked him into getting it. Maybe at the store. Maybe it was cheaper. I don't know. Um, it actually ended up being a totally different game. He he enjoyed the game. He played it a lot. Actually, it wasn't a bad game. But it was. It, I was disappointed because it wasn't the original Jurassic Park game. And I actually want to go back and listen to that soundtrack. Well, it's the colors are the original jurassic park game is like moody and
0: creepy and it has that great intro where you see the t-rex like yep. from the movie breaking out and mm-hmm. it's dark and grim where the rampage edition which edition is so misleading they should have called it's it It's a different game you know mm-hmm. it's another game so
1: i mean that's so stupid uh, horrible branding yeah. but i want to go back and listen to that because i haven't heard that in years and it's probably equally bad but um that would yeah, be fun. But that game is
0: more like colorful and bright and it's not as scary. Um, but yeah, that was just a bad marketing. Why didn't they just call it a sequel? Because if you already own Jurassic Park and they made another game, you probably wouldn't get it because you're just like, oh, I'm not going to get yeah. the Rampage edition. I already have the regular edition.
1: It was so funny, though. I was so upset at him. I was like, why did you get this version? <laughs> But I think he made the most of it. And it, when it was a pretty good game, actually. I think both of them were, were pretty fun. Right. Uh, all right, let's move on to an interesting example. This is um, an example of the, the exact same game, for the most part, released on two different platforms. But for technical reasons and for time reasons, uh, there is an entirely new soundtrack uh, made. This is Donkey Kong Country 3. And we actually were privileged to speak with David Wise about Uh, his reasons why for the GBA release years later, why he had to make an original soundtrack for it. Uh, Let's start off with the SNES version, which was primarily composed by Evelyn Fisher. Dave did work on this version, did, I think, five pieces of music. This is one of the pieces that Evelyn uh, composed, and, and we wanted to try to find the same stage for both of these to really compare it and it was really weird because going through both soundtracks it seems like the tracks where Evelyn was really shining and really doing something special those seemed to be Dave's weaker tracks and then the tracks where Evelyn was kind of phoning it in those were Dave's best tracks. so it was right. really odd um, kind of like the gaps that they each had but this is one uh, that both of them were pretty good this is Cascade Capers Uh, Let's listen to this uh, composed by Evelyn Fisher. effective uh, atmospheric SNES music. Uh definitely feels like Donkey Kong Country. There's actually a couple moments where it felt Metroidish to me, but it's this is pretty good. This is not one of the most like foreground or memorable or melodic tracks and I definitely think Evelyn was trying to do something very ambient, but it's it's well done. Um this is Cascade Capers from the original version of DKC3. Yeah, I really like it. I love her music. I I think it's really cool mm-hmm. and I, I it has the
0: vibiness that a lot of Dave's stuff does, but there's also this like subdued sense of playfulness. Like, just that million It gets your imagination going. It has this little Dorian thing, which when you hear that raised yeah. sixth, there's something like, in this case, it almost sounds like playful and hopeful because you almost establish mm-hmm. like an ominous and threatening mood. And then when that idea comes in, there's like just this twinkle. It's really great. And what's fun too is she wrote music in the original Donkey Kong Country. And so yeah, her voice is very much a part of... The the series, and Mm -hmm. I I think it's really cool that even though they didn't work, I mean Dave did uh, like one track for Donkey Kong Country Three. But even though they no, I think he did five. He did five Um, tracks. Oh, he did. Mm -hmm. What other ones did he do other
1: than? He did the bonus theme. He did um, the the really great. What is that? Calypso. I think it's like the. It's like one of the first themes you hear in the game. Maybe like a menu theme or something. And I think a couple others. Um, but yeah, you know, Evelyn is interesting. She went on to to be the the voice of Joanna Dark, right? I remember that for Perfect Dark. Yeah, I, it's interesting Great though, composer. even though they
0: um sort of worked more or less separately on these two different soundtracks. It, it's really mm-hmm. fascinating to hear people that worked together on the same series and then do write different soundtracks. It would almost be like if a June Ishikawa like wrote a separate kirby score yeah and then if Hirokazu ando uh wrote another one it would be you know because like they've worked together and they've helped establish the sound of a series but then to create like different music for the same game it's just fascinating i
1: can't think of any other thing like this what happened with donkey kong country it's a super unique example let's let's take a listen to cascade capers for the game boy advance composed by david wise I was listening to Cascade Capers. This is a different soundtrack released for the Game Boy Advance by David Wise. It really came down to time. Um, they were under the gun, and for whatever reason, they I think David only had a couple weeks to to you know handle the music, and he just didn't have the time to, to convert the SNES version. I think if he had some help and if they had more time, it, they could have done that, um, but, you know it was quicker for him to, to make an, I'm an original I'm so soundtrack. glad he did, because it's get, kind of a gift. It's
0: like all this hidden, you know, Donkey Kong Country music that I honestly never knew about.
1: And a lot of it, that sounds so similar to what he did for Tropical Freeze, to I be know, honest. know, it's like, so cool. This sounds like a Tropical Freeze track. I even think there might have been uh, times in that score when he did, like you know consciously call back to some of this GBA music right yeah Um, it's really good yeah so so Will what is your overall vote of you know you've heard both not just these tracks you've heard both of these scores uh which one do you prefer this is really hard because the Dave one is more catchy.
0: It's more like what I want from a Donkey Kong Country thing. It has a little bit of that atmosphere, but it has a catchy kind of swung groove kind of thing going on. It's hard yep. because the Game Boy Advance is so much more limited. You know, I, I I feel like Evelyn's track has much more mood to it, and it's more interesting to listen to, but it's
1: also, it's mm-hmm. like it's an unfair advantage being on the Super Nintendo well, also, I think if we asked Dave this, he would say, "Oh, are you kidding? Absolutely, the original is better." Because he 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 was really stressed to have to do this, uh, and so there's no way he would consider this definitive. And he did work also on the original. So I definitely prefer the original. Um, playing the game as a kid, it worked it worked like a like a charm. I mean, I don't right. think there's as many melodies that are as iconic in the third one, but uh, the game is is amazing, and the soundtrack worked really well. Uh, and for me. The third one is just uh, the GBA uh, version, I should say, is just not as classic because I just in the didn't bonus grow up with theme it. that
0: he wrote for Donkey Kong Country Three might be his greatest piece of music ever. It's I mean, so good. <laughs> yeah, I gotta say when that um, the uh, the the song from Mario Odyssey, take a well, take a well. Sure. I I the first time I heard it, I'm like. Is this referencing that? And part of me feels like that must be intentional because part of the song calls back to the bump, bump,
1: bump, 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 Because it is New Donk City after all. You know, so
0: part of me thinks like, oh, could that be intentional? But I think that's maybe the best thing that Dave ever wrote was that bonus time.
1: Well, what a cool example that was going from the SNES to the GBA. All right, we're going to take a look at two different soundtracks, both the same title. Uh, I think they're probably slightly different games This is very common This is NES to Game Boy here So that happened a lot But it was released at the same time in the same title This is Batman Return of the Joker uh, Sunsoft Games And the NES version was composed by Naoki Kodaka And the Game Boy version was actually composed by Manami Matsumai, which is interesting to hear. Uh, So we're going to play the Stage 1 theme from both games and kind of compare them. Uh, Let's take a listen to the Stage 1 from NES. This is Gotham in Danger. What a master. This is Gotham in Danger, the stage one theme from Batman Return of the Joker, the original NES version. It's so phenomenal. God, he he just... There's really no one else like him. I'm so sad that he left composing video games. Yeah, dude,
0: this is amazing. I mean, I'm excited to hear Manami's track because she's like the grandmother of video game music. Yeah. Uh, But... Gosh, Kadaka! I mean, there's no what way a sound. to top this. I mean, yeah. first of all, how he implements for the NES is just uh, legendary. But his melodies are so great and so perfect for Batman because it it's, it has this brooding darkness, but it still has this sort of video game pop rock energy to it. Man, he just really knocked out both of these, you know, Batman and Batman: Return of the Joker scores. And then when you hear some of his other stuff, like the music he did for like the Gremlins or what is it, Gremlins Two, and uh, yeah, Gremlins 2, Journey yep. to Silius, it's kind of like mm-hmm. oh, that's just sort of his sound, you know. He was just the perfect choice for, for that. And I mean, I love the Sunsoft music. Yeah,
1: one thing we should mention, you know, because I always like mentioning the uh, you know the unsung heroes is almost every NES score that um, Kodaka worked on. He was joined by sound programmers Nobuyuki Hara in Shinichi Seiya. And uh, so they were definitely responsible for achieving some of these really badass sounds. Um, you know with Kadaka leading the composition. Dude, so, but like
0: that 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 part where but right. but like that cool good.
1: triplet thing is so awesome. Like oh man. It's got so much personality and it, it and this is an example of okay, yes, this doesn't sound like Batman film music, but it really fits the character. It's dark, it's cool. It's moody. It, it really fits. This is one of the best examples of video game music back in the day that really fits, uh, you know, this beloved character. Um, let's take a listen to the stage one theme from Batman Return of the Joker for the Game Boy. And I haven't played this version, so I don't know. I just assume it's a different game, but it has the same title. This is composed by Manami Matsumai. Let's take a listen. guys are listening to the stage one theme from uh the game boy version of return of the joker composed by manami matsumai and also outstanding and yeah it should be mentioned both of these soundtracks are very very good so you should listen to both of them um at the very least it's a similar game um yeah manami did did a great job of she almost is calling back to like Kind of old school cheesy Batman TV yeah, music. Yeah, it's like the
0: Adam. It's like the Adam West show or something yeah. with the kind of bluesiness. But God, it's so catchy, and it also really fits for Batman. Uh, but this is like the Game Boy version, so it's a, it's like a little bit
1: you know more neutered or something. But then, well, yeah, there's there's no doubt listening to this that she was you know inspired by Kodaka's work, maybe from the original Batman game. Dude, but, um, but when you get to that,
0: like, man, that really won me over. I honestly don't know if I can pick one because, I mean, I as love far as the track? sun soft sound, I love Naoki Kadaka, but. I th- yeah. This track, it doesn't have the sampled bass. It doesn't have the same level of darkness, but just a pure
1: enjoyment level of a piece of music. I think I like this one better. It's almost on it's almost on par. Yeah, I I probably like the Gotham Endanger track better. I definitely like the NES soundtrack better. Um Right. You know, this this is great, but you you really can't top the personality uh, it, that yeah, that has. Yeah, no, and also, I mean, you're right. It it's is more, it's, really it's, it's more unique. Um, this is pretty unique, but the NES Return of the Joker soundtrack sounds like... Nothing else you've really heard. I think, uh, uh, in yeah, what just games. I really delight about that
0: Minami track is the. That's such a good line. Like, that's really catchy, and it's just I love it. She really made it her own thing. It's not an impression of what he's doing, and it's not a generic rock video game thing. It has a different kind of mood, and I think that's really fun. It really works well. They're both outstanding.
1: Well, we got some great. Great examples to move to. This is another one where we're kind of cheating, but we really wanted to do this. This is Aladdin. So Disney's Aladdin came out for a lot of different platforms. The version that is probably the best game out of uh, all the ones that were released was the Sega Genesis version by Virgin. And um, that was composed by primarily Donald Griffin, who was hired by Tommy Tallarico to compose some original stage themes. Um, and do some arrangements of Alan's music. Well, and the interesting thing about the Genesis version of the Aladdin game is they
0: actually, uh, there were some Disney animators who helped to work on the game right? and work on the animations, and that wasn't the case for the Super Nintendo version. So even yeah. though the Super totally Nintendo is game. a more powerful system and has a wider color palette, looking at just a still image from both the games, you might think that the Super Nintendo one looks better, but it's just more generic movement, where one of the fun yeah. things about the Genesis game is it has this really great artistic style, and it was all so of the authentic. character yeah. animations really feel like something from a Disney film.
1: And it's it's no surprise to fans of the podcast that soundtrack wise, we really prefer the Genesis. You know, yeah. Donald's music <laughs> is so wonderful, and is so much more fitting for the vibe that was established by Alan in the actual film. So, yeah, I mean, I think I think Donald Griffin may have
0: created uh, the best Sega Genesis soundtrack. I mean that. that might be like a bold claim because you're going up against like all the Sonic but other than Sonic I will say that I think Aladdin is the best non Sonic hmm. Genesis title by far. It's
1: incredible, yeah. So, what we're going to do is we're going to play. Uh, this is another one where we actually have a third example. So, we have the Genesis, we have SNES, and we do have NES as well. Just a taste of that uh, later. So, we're going to all play the same stage. This is, although they're different games, they all did have a stage in the Cave of Wonders. And so, we're going to see how these composers would score that. That feeling. Let's start off with Gloomy Tune, which is the Cave of Wonders stage theme composed by Donald Griffin.
2: Bird, 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 b And the ten, 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 the ten,
1: you guys are listening to a classic for us this is gloomy tune from the genesis version of aladdin composed by the wonderfully underrated donald griffin he did such a remarkable job uh making music that is so fitting with the Aladdin film and Alan Menken's music, like this melody sounds like it could be an Aladdin song.
0: Yeah, I mean it's that it's that pure and melodic. It's so
1: good, and it has the same harmonic style. It's this is an amazing track, right?
0: In a, that kind of old 1930s jazz, kind of swanky Cab Calloway. Yeah. Thing that they were going for It's like all of uh, Donald's music Goes for that and almost goes even Farther in and in, in soups up Like the instrumental Jazz quality which is what I love yeah. about his Score is because it's like I, I don't know when, when you put it all together You have the Alan Menken songs That are great songs But Donald Griffin's stuff Is it more sounds like just purely instrumental jazz music from that era, and it, yeah. but they fit so well together. They're both of the same cut from the same cloth. And the thing that's so amazing is that Donald's melodies really hold up alongside the ones from the film. In my yeah. experience playing the game, is I always appreciated the original music more than the arrangements because you can't beat what exists in the actual Disney film. So right. it's like hearing the original music that it just works so well on the. Genesis. It's so melodic. I mean, this, this tune. So devious. It's beautiful. I mean, it's just, it's so pure. It's just, I think it's perfect. I mean, there's very few video game composers that i think are capable of writing like a truly perfect melody and i think we've Mm -hmm. always tried to call it out whenever it happens i mean uh, this is why i love koji kondo so much but uh that i think donald griffin is is one of them and he's someone who i just
1: wish i i wish i heard more music from i mean he's just (laughs) just incredible so obscure yeah all right let's move on to the snes game aladdin This is the Cave of Wonders theme in that game. This was composed by some Capcom people. We have Yuki Iwai of Mega Man X2 fame, as well as Yuko Takahara. Let's see what they did for Cave of Wonders. guys are listening to Cave of Wonders um, from the SNES uh, Aladdin game composed by Yuki Hawaii and Yuko Takahara this is a pretty interesting piece of music it's kind of experimental and kind of pretty Um, it's nice but to me it doesn't really have anything to do with Aladdin you know it doesn't remind me of of that movie It's, it's not kind of the, the harmonic sound That Alan established um, yeah, I mean
0: it's not It's not that Outside of the place From like Some of the elements Of the score And I think that The mm-hmm. Super Nintendo game Maybe tries to Capitalize on the Orchestral side Of things more But what I love About the Genesis game Is that Every stage Feels fun It's the It's the harmonic Language of the songs From the movie Not the score You know You guys are it, hearing The NES version right now and but having that like big band sound is part of Aladdin and so it's like the Genesis game just feels more fun to listen to and that SNES track was was good and it was doing what the Super Nintendo does best but Mm -hmm. I mean you just can't even compare them on a on a sheer like yeah, there's Song no Songwriting, compositional level, I, I think. Yeah,
1: every single element of the Genesis Aladdin game is is mm. superior. The game itself, it looks better. It's a f- more fun game. The soundtrack is worlds better. So, yeah, it's pretty clear which one we prefer. You know, Carl, I don't know about you, but I feel like it's like... I don't know, I've always been kind of, like,
0: on the side of, like, melody is the most important thing, but the more I study music, the more years that I spend, like, writing music and composing, like, I still, I think that even more so, that melody is the hardest thing, because it's the only aspect of music, well, I, I shouldn't say the only, but it's one of the many aspects of music that you can't exactly learn in a clinical sense the way that I think you can with, like, Um, Harmony and a lot of Mm -hmm. like theoretical Concepts you can kind of Learn and have access To a tool belt so to speak Right you know like with groove there's certain Things that you do to make a groove Feel good and with harmony There's certain functional chord Movements that you do to make it be satisfying But with a melody you can't Like put it in the same You know there's not a formula because The
1: melody is what makes it distinct To that piece of music yeah, I mean there's there's no doubt that Donald is is so gifted at coming up with uh timeless melodies and a lot of times informed by a lot of different genres. You what know, does he I know it's now? kind of an obscure I have no idea. I mean it's pretty old now. Oh, uh man. It's it's a pretty goofy game and soundtrack, but he did the PC version of Mario is missing. And one thing that I love about listening to it, I have the MIDI the original MIDI files actually. And one thing that I love about it is he composes in so many different genres. He does a classical homage, he does, you know, a country thing, a blues thing, a jazz thing and He's such a, you can tell he's such a scholar at so many different kinds of music and it really comes across um, in his in his original stuff. See, so, I wish he would have gotten great.
0: like, you know, like someone like Bruce Broughton who wrote for a lot of uh, television shows like Dinosaurs and Tiny Tunes and stuff like that. Yeah. I, I would love to hear like a Donald Griffin, you know, Saturday morning cartoon.
1: Yep. Alright, let's move on to a super fun example, and one of the first things we thought of as well. This is an example of a video game that was released on two different platforms, and the, it was the exact same game, but they wanted to make a different soundtrack to take advantage of the different technology. This is Sonic 3D Blast. We're going to be comparing the Sega Genesis version, which was um, led by composer Jun Senoue. As well as the Sega Saturn version, which was composed by Richard Jakes. Uh, Let's play the very first stage theme, which is probably the best stage theme in both of these soundtracks, actually. And this is a great example because these are both really strong uh, tracks. This is Green Grove Zone Act 1 from the Sega Genesis. Guys are listening to Green Grove Zone Act One, composed by Jun Senoue. So good, really one of the best Sonic themes, and that's that's saying a lot. Uh, this is not a score that you know is considered one of the best Sonic soundtracks, um, and it's not. But it has within it some absolute gems, and this is this is one of them. This is such a great melody. It's so fun.
0: Oh, good lord, this is amazing. This is the best so thing that Jun Senoue ever did. Like. Hands down. Hands down. I mean, it. this rivals Masato Nakamura's best stuff. I mean, it's just, just outstanding. It's
1: really amazing. You know, and in, in one fitting thing that you're hearing is you're hearing the bass instrument from Sonic 1, but you're hearing the drum samples from Sonic 3. And there's something beautiful about that because it kind of... Parallels what he's doing compositionally, dude, and I just I the the way that
0: this song ends is my favorite thing the way that It's a great progression Like it's so satisfying that it, it really takes you on a complete Journey Um, and
1: yeah, this way is that one that of those melodies develops. um that is very timeless, and the first time you hear it, I will never forget as a kid the first time hearing it, it felt like I knew it my entire life. It, you know, it's just so comfortable and so fun, and it's it's a big reason why I kept playing this kind of crappy game. Right. the music was so entertaining and, and was providing so much entertainment that you kind of put up with the crappy controls and the weird 2.5D uh style it's it's not a bad game it's a clunky game um and the soundtrack is at times hit and miss but this is just great yeah classic i, Sonic I music. couldn't
0: love that soundtrack more i mean just gosh june sent he is man that track is phenomenal we have to play that in the marcato band like I, yeah we have to play it we
1: have to play it just... should be a law. Let's move on to Green Grove Zone, Act One, uh, for the Sega Saturn, which was composed by Richard Jakes. And he did a great job um, making a soundtrack that felt a little bit more technologically impressive and something uh, that's taking advantage of, of CD audio. And I think uh, that's exactly what he was hired to do. And it's a really fun soundtrack. It's very jazzy, kind of even fusiony at times. Um, And he did a great job fitting the stage. Let's take a listen to his take on Green Grove Zone. All right, you guys listening to Green Grove Zone Act One by Richard Jakes, Sega Saturn version of 3D Blast, and this is this is kind of how this is what Sonic CD should have sounded like. They should have got him to do Sonic CD because it's just as different, um, just as exciting um, when it comes to Sonic music. It doesn't have a lot of semblance of of uh, you know some of the traditions of previous Sonic music, but it's really good music and it's very exciting. It's music that's embracing the technology, and and it holds up surprisingly. It sounds good. The mix is nice here. This is music that wouldn't have been possible on the Genesis.
0: Well the other thing that I gotta say is it really sounds Japanese. Like I even though mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily sound like sonic music, it reminds me of a lot of Japanese J-Fusion. composers. Yeah, yeah. Completely in the kind of willingness to throw in those beautiful sort of jazzy chords. There's that sort of I, I guess it's a tritone substitution, but it's the sound of yeah. sort of like the minor four over the flat seven. Yeah. kind of a thing uh, it's so I tasty you know yeah. i
1: have a different feeling of this track after i did that remix i did this remix for dwelling of duels and i actually kind of did a slight matchup it was mostly this saturn track but i actually went into the genesis theme for a little bit too and then right. came back i remember um, that and i had a great time remixing and that kind of gave me a more appreciation for um you know richard's soundtrack he's he's yeah, an amazing I mean, composer to me
0: though it's still no... Compo- it's, <laughs> it's still no comparison. I mean, that June Sentaway track is, like, so yes. vital. And that melody is, like... That feels like that could be, like, Sonic's theme. Um, where this is a fun track. I like the groove. I like the chords. It's fun. But, like, that
1: melody, I mean, just
0: can't hold up to the June Senaway
1: so one. So here's my take now. Now that enough years have gone by... If I'm talking about the overall soundtrack, I do think Richard probably has a better soundtrack. It's a little bit more cohesive, um, and it's more interesting to listen to throughout. Um, but you cannot beat uh, Jun's theme, uh, particularly well, Green and Grove Zone. The Jun Senua one sounds like Sonic. You
0: know, Whether yeah. you like it or not, it, that, that's the sound of Sonic the Hedgehog to me. Like yeah. To me, Sonic lives and dies on the Genesis. And it's like, once you get away from that... Yeah, I mean, I not... love
1: the intro theme... I love the special stage theme. I love Green Grove Zone. Uh, there's maybe a couple other tunes that are pretty good. Um, but some of the other composers that that worked with him on uh, 3D Blast, I'm, I'm not as big of a fan of their their tracks. But yeah, that, that's really cool. I, I think my opinion has changed a lot over the years of of that Richard Jakes version. That's cool. When like the track that he wrote for Sonic Adventure, that first Emerald
0: Coast or whatever, um, mm-hmm. that that reminds me a lot of his music from 3D yeah. Blast, like this and the special stage theme mm-hmm. and, and that, like they, they all kind of have that similar sort of sound that I really love. And I wish all of his music sounded like that. And sometimes it just... Like, I feel like in the more modern Sonic games, it's all about this, like, really cranked up to 11, kind of like J pop, rock, kind of guitar music, which is so odd because that's not what Sonic was like in the 90s. Um, So I I don't know what happened to the series, but I just, gosh, when I (laughs) listen to that Green Grove Zone, I'm just like, Man,
1: those were the days. those were the days. Well, it's back to back Sonic time. We're gonna do another Sonic example, and this is going from the Genesis to the what p c yeah we we couldn't we couldn't resist doing this. so Sonic three uh, came out in ninety four The next game was Sonic and Knuckles, which was intended to be the same game. They had to divide it up. Uh, some people refer to that as Sonic Three and knuckles. Um, there was a game called Sonic. And Sonic 3 & Knuckles collection, I believe, for the PC, and it included Sonic 3, Sonic & Knuckles, and Sonic 3 & Knuckles. And some of the stage themes were altered, uh, and there's a lot of speculation as to why that was. Most likely, Michael Jackson's involvement could have been part of it. So for whatever reason, you're playing, you know, Sonic 3 on the PC and it's these MIDI arrangements of the classic music and everything's great. You're having a fun time. And then all of a sudden, certain stages is just a completely different piece of music. And it's like, what just happened here? So and it's almost that's... always like so shocking of like how it couldn't be more different. <laughs> yeah. Let's start off with the, the original Genesis version of Launch Base Zone, Act One, composed by Sega Sound Team. Well, this is about as much evidence as you could ever get that this was composed by michael jackson (laughs) as they changed it in the pc version uh this is launch base zone act one such a fun piece of music and i have some interesting opinions on on both of these versions i actually don't think either of them are that fitting for the actual stage especially if it's supposed to be a final stage which maybe it wasn't originally and that's that's why but it's a really cool piece of music with a lot of personality and it's classic sonic 3 I do want to list all the composers um, that, that are credited uh, to this game. We have Tatsuyuki Maeda, Tomonori Sawada, Sachio Ogawa, Masayuki Nagao, Masanori Hikichi, uh, Miyoki Taka- Takaoka, Jun Senoue, Michael Jackson, Brad Buxer, Masaru Setsumaro, and Yoshiaki Kashima. That's all of them, folks. You know what's crazy? With that many composers, it almost makes you think it's
0: like, for the non-Michael and Brad stuff, it's almost like every single track was written by someone different. It's very um, possible, maybe just because there's, just like three there's not that many together.
1: tracks, you know?
0: <laughs> I mean, that's just so insane that there are that many composers. There's not, are, are there even well, that many these, distinct
1: pieces of music? You know what's weird, Will? Two of these composers, one of them is Hikichi, and I can't remember the other one, uh, worked on um, quintet games like Terra Enigma oh he did so the terranigma composers were involved in sonic 3 i didn't quite make that connection until recently it's pretty insane yeah uh all right so now let's take a listen to the pc version of launch base zone act one and i've tracked down the composers who did this (laughs) release this is shigeyaki iri and masaki nijizawa (laughs) <laughs> this is so stark. This is the PC version of Launch Base Zone Act One. It's so goofy. It couldn't be more different. If you tried to make okay, what's the most different piece of music I could do from that MJ thing? It would probably be be, be this. Right. Um. Yeah. Both of them are not particularly fitting for the stage, but this is definitely less <laughs> fitting for Launch Base Zone. It's a cool track. Uh, it's, it's kind of fun. I really it doesn't like sound the like Sonic though. See, I
0: disagree. I feel like if you gave this one a Genesis treatment, it would. It oh, would I've sound heard a people do Sonic-y. that.
1: There's, it's all over YouTube. It, I don't know. I, I don't think it does. I mean, I guess the very intro statement uh, to of me that, that theme, part though
0: that goes dun, 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 dun
1: like that that that
0: chord movement It might sound that like It kind like of sounds like modern
1: Sonic. Sonic. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm not as big of a fan of this track as you are. Uh, it's, it's okay. It's just like, yeah, I mean, it's nothing, it's nothing amazing, but I yeah. mean
0: for I don't think it's terrible. I mean, I think that's kind of a catchy little melody.
1: It's not bad. It's kind of hilarious when you compare it to the original. Um so will, this is a tough choice, but which do we prefer here? Uh I, I mean, I got to go with the Genesis PC one. Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah, me, uh, me too. <laughs> but I see. I feel like
0: you're making a joke. Like the PC version is so obviously terrible. And I mean, it's like, yeah, it's general MIDI sounds that aren't good. But it's not I think terrible, it's a good...
1: but um, it's laughable when you compare it to the original. I mean,
0: I I like the original Launch Base Zone mostly for that kind of boom 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 boom. Like there's something about that. Uh, idea how it's sort of like leaping up that makes me think of like do you remember how the um
1: isn't ice cap one of the ones they changed too yeah i don't remember how that one goes that i remember that one's not very good yeah all right guys so the last game we have is flashback and so uh we're going to compare the genesis and the sega cd and that sega cd is going to be our play out today Uh, So definitely um, listen to that. Uh, This was a game that came out for the PC. It came out for a lot of different consoles, including the Genesis and the Sega CD. We thought this was an interesting pairing because these two soundtracks were apparently worked on by the same people, but had some different music uh, that was separate to them. Uh, So what we're going to do is we're going to play the ending from both of these scores, starting with the Genesis ending, and then we'll play you guys out with the Sega CD ending. And the credited composers to Flashback are Jean Baudelot and Fabrice Vissero. Here's the ending from the Genesis version of Flashback. (laughs) Perfect music for winding down the old podcast here. You guys are listening to the ending from Flashback for the Genesis. Flashback's a great game. We played it for the PC back in the day. Um, and there's, there's I think, a few different, slightly different soundtracks um, for these different systems. Now, this is an interesting example because I was listening to both of these, and you guys will hear it uh, uh, in a little bit, the Sega CD version is. Melodically, I think they do use some similar statements. Um, but but they're but they're very, very different. Um, this isn't this isn't the the prettiest uh, Sega Genesis track, but it it kind of fits for an ending. Well, I think a lot of composers with the
0: Genesis just really fell in love with the fact that of how you can sort of phase the FM synths. So there's yeah. so much Western music that's just like
1: that's the gimmick. Mm-hmm. And it's like it doesn't sound that. that good, guys. Like you gotta have something else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this isn't a bad uh, piece of music. I thought it was fitting to end the day with two ending tracks.
0: Yeah, it's cool. I, it's nice and atmos-
1: It's atmospheric. It's very cinematic. Uh, I think you'll cool. like the Sega CD one. It's a lot more um, kind of reminiscent of, of film music and better melody and stuff. But um, yeah, so that's how we're going to end. Uh, you guys will hear the Sega CD version of the ending and, yeah, we, we tried to come up with a playlist that was diverse and had enough of those examples of this exact same game with two different scores, a uh, few examples of the same title but a slightly different game. There's probably a bunch of stuff we... we uh we could have also done. So this is kind of a follow-up, an unofficial follow-up to our ports episode. Yeah. And I I like this because it's sort of a a unique way to look at
0: multiple different people approaching the same task for the same piece of art in many cases and seeing how they approach it differently. I mean, like with that Sonic example, uh, it's literally the same game, the same stage, but That's crazy. needing to write a different theme, and also in that case, it's like writing something because you have to take a piece of music out for like copyright reasons, most likely. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it's just sort of a fascinating. Uh, look of like how can we make it different and uh, you know some of these examples like for that lost Vikings we saw that uh, that Alistair Brimble versus Charles Dean like they were doing a very similar thing but in some Mm -hmm. of these examples say like the Batman Return of the Joker one I mean it's just they couldn't have been more going in different directions and I mean look at any of the Sonic examples
1: are so different (laughs) yeah Um, that's true it's just really fascinating Well, guys, we had a great time with this episode, kind of a unique uh, exploration. If you have any other uh, cool picks of uh, same game, different soundtrack that that you like, feel free to hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, or Discord. Uh, We look forward to hearing some some of those. We know there's a lot more of the stuff out there. Uh, this is an interesting episode we hope you guys enjoyed. We're going to play you out with the ending uh, Sega CD of Flashback.
0: So I got to just mention something because at the end of what we just heard with the Genesis track, it reminded me of uh, a television theme for the show The Orville, which is uh, oh, Seth yeah. MacFarlane's kind of, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Star Trek inspired show, but... Uh, Bruce Broughton actually wrote uh, an amazing theme for it that goes... Oh, yum, I think I did bum, hear that. Bum, 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 what bum, a perfect bum, person bum, to bum, do bum, that. It's that's It's awesome. very like Jerry Goldsmith kind of style. So it's totally random, but definitely check that out because it's an amazing theme. <laughs> well,
1: guys, enjoy this ending theme from Flashback. And I think that just about does it. Thanks so much for everyone for listening, for leaving reviews on iTunes. You guys are awesome. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm Will Brueggemann. Have a great week, everybody. Peace out.